Greetings. Come on in. Welcome. You're at the Hole in My Heart podcast. I just thought I got to do it different. We're over we're over 30 now. So it's getting old. This is episode 31. How to talk with the kids. Yes. My name is Lori Craig. I'm here with my husband, Matt, and we have uh, wait, I got a who you just heard saying greetings is producer Steve. Hello. And then we have our first time twice here. First, first repeat first, guest. First there return. it is. First, first return, return guest. guest. I am already knocking it out of the park. <laughs> uh, with his Hollywood name, all the way from Grand Rapids, Michigan, Dr. Branson Parlor. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me back. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> you are welcome. Um, well, we are excited because we are going to be talking about kids and how can we talk with them uh, about sexuality and specifically LGBT. We're going to see where it goes. It's you know We talk gospel, we talk sexuality here, and today we're going to talk about how can we talk with our kids about that. Um, but before we get to that, first, I just want to say thank you to my friend who asked this question. That's how this podcast came up and last week's. So if you guys have question about the intersection between the gospel and sexuality, hit us up. We'd love to talk about it on here and invite people who are, oh, smarter than us and can help go to that uh, intellectual level as well as that deep heart level. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for those ideas. Also, this summer, we're going to be taking some sort of a hiatus from the every week podcast. We're still working out how that will look, but just so you know, we're going to take a little break. Uh, second thing is we are starting Journey Well workshops that are going to be happening this summer. So we had the Caring Well conference. We've changed our word. We've upgraded from caring to journey. Hmm. Um, and so that we just talk about how can we journey well alongside our LGBT friends. Can what? we play some faithfully right now? What's is- that? Journey. 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 Oh. Journey. <laughs> Don't stop believing. I didn't listen to that really bad mm. secular music mm. growing anyway. up. So <laughs> pagan. Um, also, I just want to thank you guys for the reviews. I did something a little scary. I like looked up and like, do we? Have, oh, we have some more stars on our podcast. And like some of you guys reviewed us and we're really, really nice. So wow. thank you. So if you could keep that up so more people can find us um, and just encourage us because sometimes we're like, is anyone listening? Uh, and we know you are, but it's really nice to hear and see that. Um, yeah. So with, that's all. That's all the update I've got. So now we're going to move to the question of the week from last week, which was how did you first learn about Jesus as a kid? You know, I get asked this with my fellow parents who've got young kids and like, when do you start talking about Jesus? How does this work? Mm. So when did you first hear it? And like, how did you start if you've got kids, which everyone in this room does? How did you start talking with them about it? Uh, Well, for myself, being in the church as long as I can remember, I feel like I was learning about Jesus pretty much when I learned about Christmas, I learned about Jesus. So pretty much as early as I can remember. And Sunday school... Flannel graph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Satan, 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 Satan was in that education okay. as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, but flannel graph, I'm yes. that old. Oh, and I remember it. My friend, Phil Ayers, I got to give a shout out, just finished a book called Flannel Graph Jesus, <gasps> where I think what he's saying is like Jesus is more than just two dimensions. There is depth to him as a person. and um, But it is also fun to play with the flannel yes. graph. Yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, like, I don't want to take anything away from the flannel graph. I think maybe what he's saying is as you grow older, there does need to be a little bit more dimension than just the, you know, legit character of stories that you hear as a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. That was it for me. How'd you start talking to your kids about it? Oh, I haven't yet. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here today. Right, right. Smooth. Uh, Probably just... At, at bedtime, talking, probably we read a Keys for Kids devotional or something, you know, and 
ears this? You roll in the flannel graphs. That's again. right. The actual easel with the flannel graphs yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. No, I didn't do that, but I probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, when I think about when I first heard about Jesus, it's, it's kind of hard to remember when, you know, a time before. Mm. And I think what resonates in my mind is, is the Sunday school, but maybe especially the songs. Uh, like that through singing these kind of oh, same yeah. songs over and over, um, those kind of stick with you um, for good or for ill. Like some of the songs are good and some of the theology and kids songs is like horrible. B.I.B.L.E. Um, yeah. so, is good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I see. What? I am a C. Yeah. There's a lot oh, of yeah. spelling. I'm a C-H. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the real goal of the songs, right? Is to teach yeah. kids how to spell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so that was there. I mean, then there are, there's also like ones that I've now realized probably are not such good theology. Like we actually had this one song that was, um, it, it, somewhere in outer space. I knew you were going to sing God that. God has prepared a place. Yeah. So it's like it's this just a uh, passing through. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, yeah. Somewhere there's a lot of theological space, issues God with that. God has prepared a place. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those who trust him and obey. There's a lot of real scary Satan songs too. Like, so I don't know. It's like doing a singing around a campfire thing that I went to a couple of weeks ago. And people were like, oh, you know that one about how Satan's going to like steal your soul. And like, I'm like, no, that sounds terrible. Wow. Scare people right into heaven. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But I think, you know, when, when we talk to our kids about it, um, yeah, even there, I'm, I'm not sure like when or how it's kind of through songs, through kind of everyday routines. Um, yeah. Bedtimes um, through even like trying early on with our kids to talk about even something as basic as like repentance. Like if mm-hmm. you do something wrong, mm-hmm. you repent and you pray. And, you know, so there's that kind of trying to make it feel natural. Like it's right. not just this imposition like, oh, on Sundays we will talk about Jesus or something right. like that. But but really woven into everyday life. Um And I have to give a shout out to the Jesus Storybook Bible. Oh, yeah. Oh, which, again, I think mm. uh, is is, you know, an amazing work of theology, yes. actually, uh, but in a very accessible way that, that kids can mm-hmm. just relate to. Yeah, I'll so. link to that if you guys haven't heard of that. It's really, everything just points to Jesus, and it's really great pictures mm-hmm. as well. Okay, also, you can't get to heaven in a Kleenex box. Well, I mean, yeah. it's not wrong. <laughs> God don't want no smelly snots, so my sins are washed away. I've, I've been, been redeemed. redeemed. Yeah. Blood of the no? Okay. That's, yeah. That was a camp I, song. I do not I recall yeah, this I, one. I, like I, I know that one very well. Wow. I just want to sing now. Not an electric chair. God don't want no French fried hair. What? <laughs> see, yeah. it's very, very scary. Yeah, I don't remember that anyway, one. Yeah. <laughs> <Huh. laughs> no. Wait, see, it's, anyway, that's like a whole theology conversation. Yeah, that one, I I, I think theologically is a little, little bit wrong because, yeah. Anyway, because yeah. repentance can happen on, on that route. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think for me, the, the first time I, I remember like having Jesus a part of my life was in these like routines, like God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Mm. Um, you know, the, the mealtime prayers and the, you know, the bedtime prayers. Uh, this, this might be an indictment of my own memory more than anything, but I honestly don't remember a whole lot of Jesus in Sunday school. I remember a lot of like Samson and David and Goliath. Oh yeah, the good story. I, I, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the good battle stories. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. you know the excitement, and I'm like, that sounds awesome. But I don't remember actually a whole lot of Jesus in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I do remember Jesus from you know yes the singing, but then also just mealtime prayers especially and mm-hmm. stuff. So, and then you know as far as our girls, I think I can actually, Lori, thank your mom mm-hmm. because. 
I'm pretty sure the the second they were born, your mom was already talking about Jesus to them, <laughs> yeah. which is which is great because you know when I come home and you're like, hey, guess what? Gwen asked me today, like, who is God? Yeah. What do Christians do? And I'm like, she's three. I know. Okay. Well, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. You know, so I I think the the introduction we try and you know keep that conversation going, but I'm pretty sure your mom was the first one to tell our kids. <laughs> Yeah, I I would agree with that. I'll start with a kid one, too. Our three-year-old is really sensitive, and she deals with a lot of fear, actually, at this mm-hmm. age. And maybe that's just common for three-year-olds. But, like, I'm always like, hey, do you know who's always with you and, like, hugging your heart and looking you in the eyes? And she's like, mommy? I'm like, no. <laughs> but just that whole concept. And we'll talk about how we've even already talked about marriage with her. She's just so – I want to be like her when I grow up. She just thinks about things so deeply. Um, but I think the fear piece, just like knowing she's never alone and like trying to teach her even versus, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Again, my mom helps with that too. And my mom actually led me to Christ. So I remember a lot of like crafts at Sunday school and a lot of the flannel graph. And I like that crafts and graphs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my mom actually started a Bible club at our school. Everywhere we went when we moved, my mom would start a Bible club and, um, Again, there was kind of like this peer pressure thing with 11 brothers and sisters, like, haha, Lori's still going to hell. She just didn't pray the prayer yet. <laughs> wow. So, okay, was that great? No. Uh, but I do remember at that Bible club, my mom going through the wordless book, which was like uh, just a bunch of colors. Remember? Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gold is heaven. Yeah. Somewhere in outer space is that yeah. gold. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but then white and like sin. And then you like, it just, it, it landed with me as much as it, I it can at six years old. And so I prayed the prayer, but then it's kind of just been an ongoing praying, you know, as just seeking Jesus. So that was a start. All right. Goofball Island time. Steve, I've thrown you a tough one. Oh, as okay. As far as our vehicle. All right. And I just said vehicle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can we take the Kool-Aid man? Hey, Kool-Aid! Oh, yeah. <laughs> jump in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you nailed that. That's We're good. done. Um, <laughs> we, I got to slosh around a bit. You guys know what I'm talking about. Okay, so what were some of your, it's talking about kids, it's all focus. What were some of your favorite after school snacks? And if you want to do like, I mean, in junior high, it was this, elementary was this, but um, who wants to start? Yeah, I, uh, this might sidetrack us a little bit, but I mean, did you do you guys remember the Kool Aid points that what? you could collect? <gasps> yes, like on the back of the little packets, there were these pretend. like points. No, yeah. they were for real because no. I because we I, I have this memory of like cutting those out. You save them up, and then if you save up, I don't know, like ten thousand Kool Aid hmm. points, you send it in, and they send what? you like a free T shirt or something. Did so you it's like, do it? Oh yeah, the, the Kool Aid. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. It, that was so. <laughs> does he actually apparently crash through your wall? <laughs> he he does not come and deliver it <laughs> himself. Yeah. Apparently, <gasps> uh, but. You yeah, did it. Yeah, I'm that so was, proud of you. My know. little kid self is so proud. I don't, proud know. Right I don't now. know. I just assumed everybody collected Kool-Aid points, but now I'm realizing mm-hmm. maybe that's a that's a false assumption. <laughs> we didn't drink that much Kool-Aid. <laughs> that was your we threw it back. We threw it back. <laughs> you couldn't afford that much Kool-Aid, probably. Well, How many kids? It's mean, a lot of Kool-Aid. That is a lot of Kool-Aid. So was that your favorite snack? Well, I, I, that probably wasn't really my favorite snack. I was trying to think about this. I mean, the after school thing is a little tricky, too, because I was homeschooled. Oh, yeah. So, so that kind school? of, it's like just yeah. just whenever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but I feel for some weird reason, like cereal also in our house was just like the constant yeah. go-to what snack. What kind? Mm-hmm. Like, um, Crispix, Crispix. Honey Nut Cheerios. See, those, those are, are kind of too. 
Those are like good for you. I'm doing air quotes here. Yeah. That's what we call them. Good for you's, yeah. <laughs> sugary, <laughs> bad for you's. Those are two categories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, crisp mix are good. Occasionally cookie crisp, right? When Whoa. you go all the way. Oh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> you you just, just, that's the splurge you just, you just, yeah. cereal. Yeah. Yeah. Mom, it's been a tough day. I need some Kool-Aid <laughs> yeah. and some cookie crisp. <laughs> Hit me. <laughs> <laughs> what like a combo. Exploding. That's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Man. Who else? Okay. So I will um, take the cereal. Uh, that was me in high school. For some, I'm going to work it, work backwards. Okay. In high school, come I home, knew you just do big the bowl of cereal. Sorry. I just like, yeah. I'm count on Steve. Okay. <laughs> big bowl of cereal in high school. Go for right, it. Right. Yeah. And um, then probably more in uh, junior high or, or later elementary, it would have been toast with creative toppings. So like. toast with a slab of cheese on there or toast with peanut butter. And then I discovered, hey, we've got a bag of uh, chocolate chips over here. Oh, Put on yeah. the peanut butter, oh. sprinkle chocolate chips on that. It's like a gourmet masterpiece Yes, <gasps> for me. Did you start avocado toast or mm, no? No, oh. no. <clears throat> not right. sweet enough for my, you know, yes. sixth grade uh, palate. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then in earlier elementary, this was when... Um, I would come home and my mom would be home. Later she went and she was a teacher, so yeah. uh, it was kind of like fend for yourself. But I'd come home and she'd be like, I have a grilled cheese for you. Or, you know, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Sandwiches were big with my mom. Yeah. And uh, the occasional batch of chocolate chip cookies. Aww. That's my earliest, like, kindergarten, you know, when she was really, like, striving to be a super mom. So. <gasps> you say chocolate nice. chip cookies real nice. I feel like you could do an ad for it. Can you say it again? Really? Yeah. I don't know how I said it. <laughs> chocolate chip cookies <laughs> I don't know you nailed it did I okay and oh. I'm just curious because I want to know everyone's favorite cereal now what was your favorite cereal uh it was probably either Cocoa Pebbles Amen. wow uh, yeah. or what was the one? Oh, Cocoa Puffs Oh. Cocoa anything. Chocolate's <laughs> yeah. big yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite cereal is chocolate milk. Yeah. yeah. Chocolate exactly. <laughs> Post cereal milk. Exactly. Of chocolate. Actually, that's the exact reason. Like double up, like eat the bowl of Cocoa Pebbles mm-hmm. and then pour more Cocoa yep. Pebbles in and then it just gets super Aww. chocolatey. Oh yeah. That's the spot right there. <laughs> All right, Matt, hit it. Yeah. Um, I. So I can only really think of after school snacks post like junior high. Um, but it was it was definitely like pizza rolls or bagel bites. Classic oh, 90s. Like, yes. like, yeah, like I was, well, I was a little bit chubby, you know, at times. But yeah, the, the pizza rolls, that 140 pack would last like three days. <laughs> Let me tell you. Let's knock it out. Yep. You were a hockey player. I mean, you're good. Yeah. Uh, I My favorite cereal is actually Quaker Oatmeal Squares. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very specific, yeah. but they're like real expensive. And so anytime we had them, we would just like grab them and hide them in our rooms. <laughs> but like once they get a little bit soggy on the outside, but still crunchy on the inside. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, I definitely uh, grabbed some tortillas one day uh, with some cheese in the middle and threw it in the microwave. And I was like, this is good. Yeah. Wow. This is like really good. And I was like, I think this is like, like, like I should tell people about this. <laughs> I... Literally thought I invented the quesadilla, <laughs> like legit. <laughs> and I like started telling people and they're like, yeah, two tortillas and cheese <laughs> melted. That's a quesadilla. Mm-hmm. I never had one till high school and I thought I was a genius. Mm-hmm. Get her a James nice. Beard Award. <laughs> James yeah. Beard Award or a dunce cap, whatever. <laughs> okay. 
Thanks for going on Goofball <laughs> nice. Island with me. The time where we take a vacation from our problems. We are now moving. And now I'm hungry. I know. Yeah. I just want right. everything. Yeah. Cereal right. and case of my invention. If you guys yes. want it, pretty famous now. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Heart of the matter today. We're so grateful for Branson coming back. Um, so we were asked, can you help talk us through like these conversations and they were alluding to because we've been talking a lot about lgbt and just the relationship between sexuality and the gospel how do we introduce this to our kids so branson can you just tell us the answer the one answer to how to oh, talk man. About this? yeah yeah well i think uh, you know it's 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 good for me to do this because i think i was mentioning my kids the oldest is nine yep and so we're kind of right on the verge of of diving in an e- even more serious way than we have in the past um, and it's nine, seven, three, and one. So nine, you got nine, seven, five, three, five, one. three, one. Oh, yeah, you have five. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, this yeah. is, uh, yeah. yeah. Got so it. we're yeah. there. Um, but at least a couple of things I think about to kind of, I guess, shape the broad discussion. And and one of those is um, to really have the the kind of theological basics of um, God as the source of love and God as the source of life. Hmm. Because I think both of those are these theological basics, but but from those, that's going to provide the backdrop for thinking about um, God's intentions for marriage, yeah, uh, God's intentions for sex, children, you know, the, where do babies come from, these kinds of things. And so to to be able to couch this in a, I think in a, you know, rich theological uh, setting is going to help us be able to engage our kids to move from that to say, this is who God is, uh, and this is one way that we image God. This is one way that we see um, a little bit about who God is uh, in us. How, how do you even start that, though? Like, so let's say someone's like new parent or just parent, regular old parent, and they're like, okay, do you sit your kids down and be like, okay, now we're going to talk about who God is. Yeah. Like, how do you have any? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, for... So for me, I think some of this comes from just um, being able, telling the creation story. Like when? Like at uh, so dinner. yeah, yeah. Just just to um, e- even to draw their attention to like think about creation, think about what you're seeing outside. Think mm-hmm. about especially now as we're like trying to get to spring in West Michigan. <laughs> um, you know, even to to draw uh, their attention to what is it that we see in in sort of the life all around us. Hmm. Uh, what does this teach us about, uh, about God? How does God show his love to us in, man, it's a sunny day. Like, this is amazing. Like God's, this is God showing his love to us, or it's a rainy day. Like God's watering the earth. He's taking care of, of all of these things. And so it's, I think in some of those small ways uh, to help them start to interpret the reality around them, uh, through this grid that, that sees all of these things as, as signs of God, God's love for us, uh, and, and the way that God has made his creation, sort of full of life uh, hmm. and what that looks like. Um, and so that's, I mean, I think that's one way just to, but that's hard because we're not always attuned to that. No, right. And we're tired right? and we're not. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's raining again and snowy again. Yeah. 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 And so it really, it requires this, uh, I think, extra attention Yeah. Uh, and um, focus ourselves uh, on this task. Uh, and so this is where I think about um, Deuteronomy 6 talking about, Talk with your kids about these things when you're sitting down, when you're walking, when mm. you're going to bed, when you're so, so so that instead of being like, when's the right time to talk about this? It's more of a question. Well, when wouldn't you be talking about this? Right. If it's invading your 
life. Yeah. It's going to invade your family yeah. life. And and so that's actually, I think, part of the trick of parenting is like God gave us kids so that we would learn. Mm. Um, you know, when you have to teach something, you begin to learn it in a whole new way than when you're just sitting there trying to absorb it. And so now if all of us sudden I'm responsible uh, for these little people and it's kind of on me to to help them see and interpret their reality and understand who God is. Um, that, that just takes it to a whole new, forces me to take my game to a whole different level in terms of my right. my awareness. Because you're a professor and you're already doing that in this college level. But then to like be like, oh, I'm a teacher at home too, to these little humans, which that takes intentionality and like just being alert, like to be like, yeah. okay, how can I not just turn off and be focused on me? But how can I be missional? That's what we talk about a lot here uh, with these kids. So how how do you start that when it comes to, I guess, just like the marriage conversation, which isn't a conversation, but like engaging that with wherever you're at with your kids? Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the other things I would kind of back up and say, too, before yeah, entering yeah. that yep. is that... I think the struggle with this is because in a lot of ways, our kids are uh, blank slates. Like they don't, whatever questions, baggage issues we're bringing, um, they're not, re they don't really have that. Yeah. And so this is where I mm -hmm. think it's really, it's, it's really tricky. And this is where I think the, the gospel and understanding the gospel becomes so important in doing this mm -hmm. um, because uh, inevitably, I think uh, we're going to bring some kind of, our sexual brokenness, mm -hmm. right. our brokenness around marriage, our brokenness around how we view bodies, shame or guilt or um, all kinds of different things. Um, if we haven't, if we're not in the process of kind of continually laying that before Jesus, then I'm probably going to communicate something of my shame and guilt yeah. around that uh, to my kids, or I'm going to just not want to talk about it or avoid it because I'm still wrestling with things in the past or the present that I'm struggling with. Uh, and so I think that, you know, it's, it's something that we all bring to the table. So it's not that we have to wait till we're perfect, but it's that I think we have to be constantly laying that before Jesus so that as we engage in these discussions, we're not kind of pushing that onto our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, we're, we're trying to describe a, a, a redeemed picture of sexuality Yes. when we ourselves sometimes struggle to see that redeemed picture of sexuality. And so, um, you know, as you're even talking, I'm thinking of the importance, like there's, there's this stigma that, okay, with the sons, that this is the dad conversation with the daughters, this is the mom conversation mm -hmm. yet in some ways, it's really important for both parents to be a part of it because the places where I might see, broken sexuality and have this distorted image like Lori could see things they're very clear you know and vice versa and and so you know it well I, I guess given the the ubiquity of and the per pervasiveness of like you know pornography and the access that people have and just the the sexually charged culture that we live in um I guess when is a good time to start like more overtly having these conversations yeah yeah, I think there, I think um, in some ways, the sooner the better in, in an age appropriate way mm -hmm. uh, that we're, we're clear about the fact, the basic fact that 
God made our bodies and, and like all of our body parts and that that's good. And that uh, when we think about um, how to understand ourselves and our bodies, um, that rather than kind of having this impulse, just uh, kind of of shame yep. uh, to say, no, fundamentally, uh, this is good. And, and so even to be clear about, you know, I think when you're giving basic safe, I mean, safety mm-hmm. instructions, mm-hmm. you know, help, yeah. helping your kids understand uh, like you do have private parts, but, but it's not, we, we don't cover up our private parts because they're bad mm-hmm. or yeah. they're evil yeah. or, or something of that nature uh, to really help them be able to, to process that I think is important um, even from a young age. And so that's where sometimes our hesitation even maybe to actually name our body parts mm-hmm. or other things like that, you know, whether we realize it or not could stem from this sense that that's not really that's not a good part of us. Yeah. Mm. There's a book that I'll link to as well. In addition to the Bible that you mentioned, but God made all of me. And mm. that is mm. one, like it talks, there's a podcast too. I'll link you guys to just these two, this husband, wife, uh, company. They're both counselors, I think, but they mm. talk about how use the body part because it's more for safety and, um, to protect against yeah. child abuse, but then to the shame physical piece, boundaries and everything. Yeah. yeah. And the shame piece as well. Uh, like I know with our daughters, uh, in, in my own history, I've got some history of, of assault, but I'm just like, yeah, isn't that great? So I try and even with my own self to not be like shame and I try and work on work on myself so I don't pass the same sort of shame feeling on them and then also promote uh, a sense of like, this is me. This is all of me. Just to clarify, I want to make sure I understand you're saying use correct Anatomical, anatomical names yes. as opposed mm-hmm. to nicknames or slang or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that would be recommended. And again, we're talking about marriage and LGBT and all of that right now, but it's it's easy to just talk about, well, we're raising our kids who are sexual beings, which is kind of weird to think about because they're kids. But yeah, this is a piece of it. It's like, right. okay, how can we remove even the shame no matter where they end up in, as, as kids, like wherever they wrestle or how their sexuality is going to be broken? How can we at mm-hmm. least eliminate this piece? Mm-hmm. So I'll link to that that book. And that book's been really helpful too, just as a side note, um, with just giving kids power to say no. So if, I know it's a lot of people have gone through assault, but just to be like, no, you don't have to even hug grandma. You don't have to do X, Y, Z. You can say no. And then they'll learn, oh, my no has power. I'm going to expect it from anyone, even if it's like boyfriend, girlfriend in the future. So mm-hmm. side note, advertisement for that book. To bring it back to the the... How do we then begin to talk with this with our kids about this? This is where I think um, to understand to be able to talk to them about uh, you know mom and dad love each other and what does that love mean? Where does that love come from? Um, that this is something rooted in who God is and God's design for life. Uh, that there's a link uh, between God's love and new life. Uh, and so this is at least one way again there to already start to help them understand that kind of link, like where does their life come from? Like their life originates in the fact that mommy and daddy love each other hmm. uh, and that, you know, who they are mm-hmm. in some way, then in the deepest ways, their being is rooted in this love that overflows from God to us, yeah. to them. To, to create them, yeah. Hmm. There's a, a woman, Rebecca DeYoung, who wrote a book that I, I just read for, for one of the sermons that I did. Um, and one of the things that she talks about is this idea that sexuality is intrinsically other focused Mm. um, in in the sense that there has to be this love or there should be this love, this covenant kind of love with your partner, but it's also like future focused 
because when you have a kid all of a sudden, and she recounts in, in the story of like when her, I think her second child was born, her, the pastor came to pray over the child and was just like, this is forever. Like this, this baby, this soul is now like it's forever, mm-hmm. you know? And so it connects, like it was an expression of this connection that she had with her husband, but then it also connects her like to people she will never meet mm-hmm. in the future because of the child that she brought in. And so like that sexuality and sexual activity has to be intrinsically other focused and like future focused, which I think we often lose because we think, oh, well, it's just whenever, however, wherever you know, you want to engage it. It's all about your preference. Yeah. And and it, it has to be so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. And I think that's where, um, even this kind of question, like where do babies come from that there is, it, it opens up this opportunity, uh, that to kind of help our kids understand, like there is a link between sex and children, between mm-hmm. sex and procreation that it does have, that's not all it's about, but it does have this kind of other, uh, centered focus that that um, pulls us away from just thinking about you know when I'm talking about sex that's just about me or what I want to do or what I can do, um, but it it places it within this broader spectrum of uh, yeah this has consequences to the past to the future uh, that th- mm-hmm. those are all become linked through that I think. Mm-hmm. What about when my three year old is like she's very romantic at three she's pretty much set has her heart set on marrying Christopher Robin. Or anyone that resembles him. Uh, but there's times too where she's like, I just want to marry you, mommy, or I want to marry her. Or like, and she'll be like, can girls get married? And um, I, I've set up an answer for her. But like, what do you what do you say to that to three and five and seven and nine? Like one probably wouldn't understand. But like, what do you say to that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where, uh, it, to me, the more we can tell in a positive way, Here's how the Bible sets it up. There's this there's this story of creation and a husband and a wife and a man and a woman, and that's all tied to um, God's creation of life and his intention for love. And so, like I, I want to avoid being in a circumstance where we're just where we're kind of leading with the no. Yes. Where we're where we're saying like we're not gonna do that or yeah. don't do that. But because I think even in the Bible, um, the vast amount of material just kind of describes and assumes this reality of husband and wife, male and female, that is is much more about here's the positive vision mm-hmm. um, for God's intentions for life and marriage, not let's go around and point out you, 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 yeah. you, you aren't kind of falling in line. And so I think, I mean, this is interesting because we, um, I was having this discussion with my wife because she read a book called, I'm going to forget Something, something jellyfish. Anyway, um, a thick kind of kids novel. Uh It was the free one from Barnes and Noble last Christmas. So that, uh, it was a deal. Um, but it was interesting because in the course of of reading that book, uh, it tells the, the, the main character, uh, an elementary age, uh, girl, her older brother has a boyfriend and they kiss and they're kind of, you know, and, and so she was kind of saying as she's processing this, even reading it, you know, to them at bedtime, do I stop and say, Mm -hmm. but this isn't you know, there's, this isn't how we understand God's intentions for, for marriage or sexuality. Um, but she didn't in part because as she kind of, she had kind of the split second, you know, processing all of this, trying to think about what to do, listen to the Holy spirit and, and, and go with it is, I mean, in some ways kind of trusting that as we just continue to expound this positive vision, um, 
and what that means, that doesn't mean that every time you encounter something that's different from that, that you have to really focus on it and point it out. Absolutely. Which I thought was really wise. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I've read my kids like raw doll books and, and you know, you think about, it, you don't stop and be like, by the way, this adult is like really an arrogant jerk and they're <laughs> yeah. greedy and abusive. And so mm-hmm. to me, it just, to, to stop and focus in that way kind of again reinforces that this somehow is like the worst. Mm-hmm. So we get asked quite a few times when we speak, it uh, can be a parent or a relative or something, and there's an LGBT person in their life who is inevitably coming home or is is semi-welcome home for Christmas or something, and they're very worried about the kids. So this kind of just comes off of what you're saying. They're like, well, if they see that, they're going to be traumatized. They're going to think it's okay. Um, what do you say to that? What do you do in that sort of a scenario? Yeah, that's I'd really I'd be really curious to hear what you guys yeah. would say, how you how you you would respond to that. I mean, I think, you know, when I look at that situation, I, I think, you know, as parents, part part of what's at the root of this is is our culture is a culture of parental control. We think it's our job to manipulate uh, our kids to kind of turn out the way we want them to. Uh, and so I think in a lot of ways, the more we try to do that, uh, the, the worse off that it is. I think showing the love and grace of Jesus, being hospitable, being kind, um, I can never speak against that. Mm -hmm. And so I recognize, yeah, as people see, I mean, that's how we get influenced as a, you know, everybody does. We see different options that are presented before us uh, and we try to process, is that an option that I can live into or not? or, Or how do we see that? So I understand the concern but that's where I think there has to be a level of trust that if I'm willing to show the love and grace and hospitality of Jesus, um, you know, and even to say it this way, I want my child to be a follower of Jesus, not cisgender or heterosexual as their ultimate identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so that's, I mean, that's yeah. what I think for a lot of parents, I'm not sure they actually at root have totally embraced that. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, and that's, that's the thing that, when it when it comes to this type of scenario where it's like okay so and so's coming home and they want to bring their boyfriend or girlfriend, um, I always lean on on the well err on the side that it's better for them to start wrestling like if they're seeing this and they're exposed to this within the the you know area that your family is engaged in, they start engaging with this idea of sexuality that isn't just male, female in marriage, because that, that is a reality they will see in the world. And it's better for them to have an understanding of it and have engaged in it, you know, conversationally with parents or with other adults who are trusted as opposed to like getting out into the world or getting into junior high when they're like, I'm not telling mom and dad anything. And all of a sudden the only people they're talking to are their peers. And, and the message is very one-sided you know, it's, it's, it's better to, to have them have this longer journey with it where at least a part of that journey is, you know, with, with parents or with other adults who are, who are, you know, biblically literate. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I think part of where I would want to push back is to say, are you worried for your kids or do you want to avoid the hard work of engaging this as a parent? And, and, and maybe that's a little bit, Maybe that's a little bit harsh, but I mean, I even think about this on a smaller scale, the way that, you know, you know, you'll sometimes, I mean, I grew up in a background where some parents were like, our kids can't listen to secular music, mm-hmm. right? As, as just this 
because then we don't have to engage or think about it. Then it's mm-hmm. just, they're safe, but they're not safe. They're, then they're just totally unprepared for anything. And they uh, usually and, and don't know how to buck wild yeah. at some point. Yeah. They yeah. don't know how to engage it mm-hmm. at all. Rather than like, this is out there. Let's listen to it and see what do you think is good? What do you think is, mm-hmm. is bad? And so that's where I think you're a parent, be a parent. Well, yeah. and that's like with my three-year-old when she's asking me like, so girl, can girls marry each other? And we have quite a few LGBT people in our home with varying, varying theological beliefs. And, um, you know, I'm sure some people could be like, okay, that's terrible, Lori. And I'm like, or <laughs> I'm teaching them how to love people and um, Lord God helping us. And, and so when I responded to my daughter, I said, well, you know, the image of God male and female are made in the image of God. And so Mm -hmm. in order for marriage to look like resemble God, uh, it has to be made up of male and female. And so she was like, Oh, okay. And I was like, some people do choose not the attractions. And I'm getting, I'm listening for the, my tone and like, how am I talking about LGBT people in LGBT relationships? You know, they do choose to get married and that's just not God's best. And so this is God's best design. And that's like as far as I can take it with a three-year-old, but she seems to receive that. Um, but we, we keep talking again about this missional language and how can we, I get it as a parent. I want to insulate my kids. And I'm like, I used to kind of judge, you know, the, (laughs) used to call them like Christian cult, but like, you know, the ones that really isolate, isolate. And now I'm like, maybe it's a good idea. (laughs) Like, It's tempting. That looks appealing. It's this human person you're in charge of and you look at the world and you're like, um, nope. Yep. Nope. I see where this is going. I know you're in game and it's hell. (laughs) Like, so I, I, get that tension, but I'm like, okay, I have to fight that again, fight laziness and fight like my own, like, I'm just tired. I really don't want to deal with this, but how can I create little soldiers, AKA disciples in order to go and influence the world? And so I like that. Like it's a, this is a place where you, you start the conversation mm-hmm. and train disciples. Yeah. So what about this? And again, I recognize you're more the theology side and you've also got five kids who can't, this is more like psychology and maybe we'll have a a therapist, a counselor on as well as Matt. I mean, you are the resident expert. So maybe both of you. Okay. If you suspect, you know, we'll have parents, oh, you know what? I think my kid is gay or I think that they're wrestling with their gender. Like how should we as parents respond uh, if you start seeing it at some age and like, what do you do? So I think about this from the biblical text that says, because what you just described, I mean, I think there's a gut reaction that that a lot of people might have a fear. Yeah. And so I think about uh, the passage that says, perfect love casts out fear. Mm -hmm. So you as a parent can't, part of the reason you fear is because you love your child so much and you think there's something going on here that's not good, that's, that's, you know, something you'd rather not deal with. Uh, But I think... Again, this is where the the goal can't be just to make my child avoid a certain sexual orientation or mm-hmm. to avoid uh, gender dysphoria or to identify as transgender. That that you know you have to be so committed, I think, to your child and understanding who Jesus is for your child uh, that that you're okay with whatever possible struggle that they're going through. And, and to, I mean. I'm like, great, God's, what is God going to do to me now that I've said this? Uh, he's going to like, here, you know, t- yeah. like, see if you Everything. can do it. Yeah. Um, but it really is this, this. Um, I think in that way, being able to 
do what Abraham did, which is kind of hand his child back over to God mm-hmm. and recognize this is not my child to manipulate, control, whatever, but to, in a lot of ways, journey with yeah. uh, through this. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and that's, I think, one of the hardest things for for parents because, I mean, we do, we have dreams for our kids. We have dreams like, you know, I, I know the, the day that I found out that my daughter, my our oldest daughter, Gwen, was, was going to be a girl, like I'm driving to work and I'm hearing the song, like I danced with Cinderella and I'm just like, I'm just like weeping in the car and I'm like, God, is this how things are going to be from now on? Mm. Come on. You know? And so I have this pre-programmed dream that one day I will walk her down the aisle and I I don't think I'm alone in that, you know, but sometimes when, when parents are confronted with this idea that, okay, my, my kid is wrestling with their gender or their sexuality, all of a sudden they treat it like this, like, like it's a death yeah. almost because they're, they're like, now my dream is no longer going to be realized. Yeah. Um, which that's just a healthy thing to realize in general. Like you cannot expect your dreams to come true in your children. Um, and it just, doesn't it just highlight our idols? We're yeah, idolizing yeah. our kids. Yeah. If you succeed, then I succeed. Or it's like, at least I can sigh. Like I did well. Cause I think that there's an underlying fear of if you're gay especially, or transgender, whatever, not straight. I failed as a parent. Like, I am a failure. There's been such a tie between, like, bad parenting. And I'm not saying this is a tie. I'm just saying there has been a There's tie. There's been a stigma. Parenting yeah. equals result of kid who's gay. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if your kid gets pregnant before marriage or sleeps around before marriage, like, there's at least, you know, you're like, well, at least there's hope for them. But somehow if they're gay, it's like, <gasps> like, oh, when Branson, you're talking about speaking last week, uh, Gordon College, and you're like, I, you, maybe you, you could say it better yeah, than I can. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so this is what I was, as you're saying this, thinking back to this, to my kind of perennial soapbox of if your dream for your child is that they would seek first the kingdom of God in this new family that's the church, if they say I'm struggling with my sexuality or gender, okay. <laughs> It, but if your dream is, um, my dream is that my child will someday get married and have 2.4 kids and have sort of this perfect, uh, you know, fulfill the American dream, then maybe your dreams need to be crushed a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and so that's where if we can shift our perspective back to saying, what's the end goal here of following Jesus, of participating in this new family of God? Then all of a sudden, you know, this is something that everybody is called to yeah. uh, together and to yeah. and to pursue. And so, you know, I mean, this is what saddens me, I think, because we've totally missed this about the kingdom of God and this call to be this this new family is that, you know, this is why we are trying to say, well, let us fit you into our box rather than let's journey alongside each other yep. and mm-hmm. all wrestle with the way that we struggle with sin, but find grace and love in Jesus Christ. And how that sounds in our family, and maybe we'll land here, but I think about with my daughters, and again, Gwen, who's the ultimate romantic, or Christopher Robin, but she's like, well, am I going to get married someday? Am I going to be like you and daddy? And I'm like, if God calls you to that, that'll be great, but he might not. It's what, yeah. what does God have for you? And it's funny like how different my language is, you know, like I've really tried to be intentional on, you know, if that's what God wants for you, but really like, I don't really say make disciples, but I'm, we're trying to be like, okay, this isn't about you. This is about God as much as we can. And not even be like, this is the dream for you. This is this 
the Barbie dream house and this is you and your husband. Um, and again, that's not to negate and look down at marriage. It's just, what does God have for you? How can you best serve the kingdom? Yeah. I mean this, so this is something even our nine-year-old just last week was like, I don't think I'm going to get married. And so it's interesting to think about what's your instinct as a parent mm. when your child says that. Uh, and because we have kind of had this at the forefront of our minds for a while, we, we noticed, yeah, we, you're kind of like, maybe not like, I mean, maybe God's calling you to get married and maybe not. And that's fine to, rather than this kind of yes. in, instinctive, like, oh no, you'll, you'll get, you'll get married. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh you'll why? find the right person. Yeah. Why would I, <laughs> what in the Bible would hold me up? What I hold up to say, you definitely should pursue marriage at yep. all costs. And then. When and if our kids come forward with their version of broken sexuality, because I think about that. What if my daughter's story is the same as mine? And I'm like, what Matt has said so wisely to me, well, then you're going to know how to walk with them, Lori. And I'm like, if I set up this marriage as like ultimate, and if they don't decide to follow exactly, you know, find their Matt, like they're at least not going to have that extra level of shame of, I hope, of like, oh, I failed my parents. I failed myself. I failed the American dream. They're going to be like, this is my version of broken sexuality. How can I serve and love God with this and still link arms with the body of Christ? It's going to be, they're going to expect to still be included in the family. Mm-hmm. That's where we land. All right. This has been a great conversation. Branson, we're really thankful for your theological mind and also your familial mind and just as a friend, a family member here. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. Um, We're excited too. to, I think we're talking with Bill Henson next week from uh, Lead Them Home. He wrote out, he wrote a great piece called Guiding Families. I'll link to that. That's for families of LGBT people. Um, It's really powerful and coming out next week. So yeah, we are so excited. Thank you so much for listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast for all of us here. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. Uh, We hope it has been another reminder that the gospel really is good news for everybody every day. Hey, would you tell a friend about uh, the Hole in My Heart podcast? Uh, Tell them they can find it in Google Play, in the TuneIn app, and of course, Apple Podcasts. If if you don't want to miss an episode, really uh, suggest that you subscribe in Apple Podcasts. And remember, your positive ratings and reviews will help us reach more listeners. And of course, you can follow Lori at himhministries.com. We'll see you next week.